Blog Talk Radio. I'm the editor-in-chief of Football Garbage Time, and with me, as always, is senior staff writer, Ryan Whitfield. How you doing, Ryan? Oh, just lovely. How about yourself? <laughs> well, it's a beautifully cold Saturday afternoon, and we're watching people run around inside a stadium in Indianapolis, so what more could you ask for, right? It's all about the combine, guys. We've been watching it. Everybody's got their eye on it. I'm sure they're not getting ready for the next AAF game. Uh, and they're just trying to figure out who we're going to draft come the end of April, which uh, is coming up actually pretty quick. Um, so, listen, we're going to talk pretty informally here because we got a lot of new information kind of streaming in as we talk. And we want to get information out to our listeners as quickly as possible, our thoughts, our analysis on the offensive side of the ball. Because all the offensive skill players, the offensive linemen, they've all had their turn or are in the process of getting their turn at the NFL Combine. Uh, and we're going to just report on who we think are the biggest risers and fallers for the NFL draft in regards to performances that stuck out with us throughout uh, the NFL Combine so far. And what we'll do is we'll take this one day at a time. We'll talk about day one first and the offensive line and running backs. And then we're going to go ahead and turn to today's activity with so the tight ends, wide receivers, and quarterbacks. Lots of stuff to talk about. So let's go ahead and get rolling. All right, Ryan, why don't we start with you? Because, you know, there's a lot of stuff that kind of went on during the day yesterday, some pretty interesting things that popped out to me, and I know that popped out to you as well. So let's talk about the offensive line and the uh, running backs that all went on day one of all the drills that uh, occurred on Friday. What uh, performances stuck out to you as particularly good performances that you think might be helping people's draft stock? Well, in terms of helping, I'll, I'll stick with the running backs. That you know, the the one thing I'll note is that I didn't think it was an overall impressive day. Um, it, it's mm-hmm. kind of a weak offensive line class. Not you know, with Joan Taylor and Greg Little really being the only two guys um, who seem like slam dunk first round picks. And mm-hmm. um, from the tackle position, and, and I didn't think either one of them performed pr- particularly well yesterday. Um, but in terms of running backs. Uh, the the guy I really wanted to highlight, um, and, and I'm definitely a victim of bias and watching the entire, uh, God, what is the, the Amazon version of Hard Knocks, whatever it's called. I forget what it's called. Oh, now, right. They uh, did, uh, yeah, All or Nothing or something like that. All or Nothing, right. And they did Michigan last year. So uh, Karan Higdon was a guy I got to, you know, that we all got to, if you watch that series, watch closely in that, in that series. Um and then he had a pretty nice day yesterday. Uh, mm-hmm. Ran a 4-4-9-40, uh, 21 uh, bench presses, 34 vertical, 123 uh, inches on the broad. Um, mm-hmm. I don't have the combine stuff pulled in front of me. I just have my notes and I didn't mark it. But I believe he was uh, in the top 10 in every one of those categories. And I think a couple of them he led. So just overall, really nice day. Really good athletic running back um, that it was not somebody I really mentioned 
uh, last week, but then I thought performed, you know, really well yesterday. Um, so mm-hmm. I thought he did yep. a lot to help his, his draft stock. You still don't take him in the first round because you shouldn't take any running back in the first round. Uh, but if you're looking for a guy <laughs> okay. in the second or third round, Higdon um, is definitely a guy that I'm interested in. And I thought, I thought he did a lot to help his, his stock by just an overall consistent day uh, across the board at the combine for him. Right. Right. I, uh, I agree with all that. And actually I, I kind of made note of him as well. But I'll go to the guys that I kind of thought kind of stood out on the offensive line. I actually there are two guys actually uh, kind of stood out as having relatively good um, uh, good performances yesterday. That's Andre Dillard out of Washington State and Jawan Taylor out of Florida. But I really really liked Garrett Bradbury um, out of NC State. You know he's a center. He's been incredibly good. I mean incredibly reliable, incredibly good. And in, in college he actually had the nickname the Grim Reacher because of his quickness and his ability to get things done very laterally. Um, it makes him a really good at pass protection and uh, run blocking. He's just a, just all around solid, solid player. And he did a lot to kind of increase his standing, I think on the draft on draft day uh, by uh, going with a 4.92 uh, 40 yard dash, which is actually amazingly, uh, I mean, very fast for a center. I'm <laughs> just saying it's, Really incredible work, and in his drills as well. All the scouts were really raving about him. He showed incredible balance, lots of body control, really good footwork. I mean, I think this is a guy who can step right in. And if you need a if you need a boost to your offensive line, and particularly at the center position, he's a guy that you could take in the first round and feel pretty good about, assuming you already have the rest of your skill positions kind of set going into next year. So I, I liked him a lot. I mean, other other results there, he had 34 reps in the bench press. Really solid, 31 inches on the vertical jump, 104 on the broad jump, 7.41 on a three cone, and a 4.53 on a 20-yard on a shuttle. So he basically ran the gambit and did a really, really, really nice job, I thought. On the running back side, I thought that Justice Hill, who I did not really have on my radar, really kind of impressed me. I mean, he was um, particularly fast, you know, with the 4.40, 40-yard dash, and he had some very impressive numbers across the board. Uh, the reps weren't so good at bench press, just 21, but he had that 40-inch uh, vertical, uh, something that is amazing, sure, sure, certainly translates to some explosiveness from the lower body. Um, unfortunately, he did pull up lame after his second 40-yard dash attempt, which um, is protect, you know, it's, it's a little bit worrisome, uh, particularly coming from a running back, as we know those kind of soft tissue injuries around the legs can kind of lag on and on and on and on. And as we know, um, and uh, as we think we know, Todd Gurley, actually, a little bit of um, uh, issue with his knees kind of came out. They, they're saying that they, he might have some some uh, arthritis in his knee. So, you know, this is stuff that can be really troublesome when you have someone get injured uh, in just the combine, whether that will be an injury issue in the future, no matter how good a prospect you are. But he has definitely risen in the draft board, ass- assuming that this is not a serious injury. Let's turn to the other side. What about guys who disappointed? Were there any guys particularly disappointed on the – O-line and running back side. I had I have one running back um, that, that I'll queue up. It's Devin Singletary. But any, anything else pop out to you? No, uh, Singletary was the guy that I also uh, ha- had really marked on that side of things. So mm-hmm. yep. um, I won't say Thunder let you, <laughs> let you talk about <laughs> him. But, uh, but no, that, that, was, that was the only really notable um, whiff, I would say, on, on yeah, the running back right. side. Well, you know, this is so unlike you. It's being being gracious and not stealing my thunder. This is just going to be such a different feel for our show today. But, uh, <laughs> hey, so <laughs> I'll say this. You know, listen, he, he had a very, very slow he, – he was a – there was a lot of uh, hype surrounding him. And coming out of Florida Atlantic, you know, there's not a lot – 
of there's not a lot of uh, you know tape specifically. I mean, you can watch a lot of stuff that's been cut together for you, but full tape is a little bit harder to come by because of the fact that he went to a smaller school. Um, there, but there was a lot of hype about what he could do if he di- if he displayed well, performed well in the combine. He had a very slow uh, 40 yard dash at 4.66. It was the sixth slowest amongst running backs. Probably sunk his draft stock a little bit. Didn't look terribly good on the field as well. He does have another opportunity at a pro day in March 26, but you know it's really hard to get that buzz back when you are going into the combine and you just kind of um, you kind of whiff, as you say, uh, Ryan. I mean, do you think there's any any possibility that Devin, Devin Singletary can reboot his, the hype on himself if he does well at the pro day, or do you think? And I know how you feel about drafting running backs. Do you think he can still be a guy who's taken in the first four rounds or so? I would say probably fourth, third to fifth round would probably be where I'd have him. Third, late mm-hmm. third, if, if that. Um, in all honesty, it probably it probably works out best for him. Um, yeah. Running backs, running backs are um, really more of a, a cause of uh, being in a good offense, and so right. he probably he, he did not probably he left money on the table. Um, this, so I don't think he reboots that draft stock, but. For the longevity of his career, he's got a better chance of going later and around now and, and getting put on a good team in a good position that will help him on his second contract. So, uh, you know, bad teams draft running backs early. So he'll, he'll lose some money on his rookie deal. But I think for, for overall, you know, falling in the draft as a running back is not yep. not a death knell. So I think I think he'll come out okay in the end. Um, but no, right. I don't think even a good pro day is not going not gonna to get him back up into a conversation of being a top 90 pick. Yeah, and take, taking the pressure off as well, I think, is also a big positive. I mean, look at Nick Chubb, I believe, going in the fourth round last year. So, actually, going a little bit later it takes that pressure off. doesn't require the team to play you right away. You don't you lower fan expectations. I think all that a real positive for a running back um, like him because he's still a huge prospect. Can be a real deal, though, if he slides a little bit in the draft uh, in April. So, let's turn over to day two, which is today, Saturday. This is how much we care about you. We're going to come at you basically live as as results are streaming in on the wide receivers, the tight ends, and of course, what everyone's looking at, the quarterbacks. Um, So why don't you go ahead and tee up whatever, uh, what you've seen so far, Ryan. Anybody particularly impress you in that group of quarterbacks, wide receivers, and tight ends? And you can feel free to steal my thunder. Go for it if you want to. (laughs) Well, I have several names to get through. I think the one off the top that we have to address and I'll, and I'll make two points on it. I mean, I love big-bodied receivers, but I just, to me, and I, I've heard some <laughs> differencing opinions on Metcalf's tape. Um, he is a guy that yep. I am going to, before the draft, sit down and try to watch at least two or three uh, Ole Miss games and and really examine him on a, on a play-by-play basis in a game. Um, but I've heard some people that aren't overly impressed with his tape. And I'll just tell you, looking at his physique, I mean, being that big to me yeah. doesn't seem – doesn't – mesh as a, as a wide receiver for me. I mean, he's almost too clunk, clunky and bulky. Um, right. But with that said, you know, the, the, the storyline going into today was that if he can run a sub four, five 40, then right. I mean, watch out. Which he, he did four, three and he ran a four, three, three, my yeah. Lord. So yeah. I think, I think DK, I think DK Metcalf uh, just uh, made himself a lot of money provided. And this is my <laughs> second point on him uh, yeah. provided that the masking substances he's using to hide the steroids, uh, <laughs> you know, did their job at this weekend at the combine. Because I'm sorry, 
I'm sorry. I mean, are we all going to look at this guy and pretend like he's not on something? And I'm for it. Like, do it. I mean, it's the NFL. I want, I want everybody in all sports on steroids. Baseball was at its prime in 99. Um, <laughs> give me, give me 102 mile per hour fastballs and guys jacked to the gills who can blast them out of the ballpark. All <laughs> well, that would be a different huge, game. Yep. I'm a huge proponent of steroids. With that said, I mean, <laughs> come on, look at that guy. He's, he's running a four, three, three, you know, uh, 40 and he can crush my skull with his bare hands. Yeah, I need to come on. There's the bench press most for any running back. So yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure that's a lot of vitamins and just a lot of good, healthy chicken and salmon dinner. <laughs> protein powder, uh, man. Nothing, protein yeah, powder. nothing going, nothing going on there. Anyway, so again, provided that we don't get a, a steroid bust before the, before the draft, uh, next month, DK Metcalf is, is set to, uh, to go very high in this draft now because yeah, he did everything he needed to do. So and yeah, is there anybody, is there anybody with more pounds. buzz? Yeah. yeah. Yep. I mean, is there anybody with more buzz around him right now in the draft? I mean, DK Metcalf is it. So, oh, um, yeah. And you, you see the picture that they took of him in the weight room where he basically was twice the size of every other dude in the weight room. I'm like, yeah, that's what, what the I mean, hell like, is that? I mean, it, it, there's not a happier person in the world right now outside of DK Metcalf than his agent. I mean, this guy is just doing, I mean, the, the PR is writing itself right now. I mean, everything is about DK Metcalf. So anyways, yeah. he'll, uh, he, so he had a good weekend. Um, the other two receivers I wanted to focus on, um, a guy I brought up last week, uh, Hakeem Butler. Yeah. I thought overall a good, not great day. Um, mm. Cause, and maybe it doesn't, maybe the, the guy we just talked about really hurts this because 18 bench presses is, is nothing in the combine to, to sneeze at from a wide receiver. But when you stack yeah. it up next to 27 and a guy like Metcalf, it does yeah. look a little less uh, impressive now. Yeah, um, just so, a little bit. And as me and uh, Dan Thury last week, you know, highlighted, this is a guy who is really, you know, more of a physical, big-bodied guy, plays a tough man's version of football. Um, so kind of an interesting thing is that I thought he underperformed in the bench press by a little bit with 18, but then he ran a sub, uh, a sub four, five forty with a 4.48, which I think is better than a lot of us thought he would do in the 40. He's mm-hmm. more one of those guys, uh, almost like a Rob Gronkowski where, um, once, once he gets going, you know, and, and he gets some ahead of steam, that's when the speed shows itself. So there's not a lot of acceleration. It's a lot of more workup speed. So for him mm-hmm. to run a sub four, five, uh, you know, I think he did himself some favors there. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. But I think overall, you know, again, some categories good. Others, you know, it was just kind of weird. I would I would expected him to do plus 20 uh, bench press and a, and a, a plus 4, 540, and he went the other way on me. So uh, just interesting, worthy noting. Uh, another guy who I'm going to talk about a guy that, had, uh, you know, he is bigger than I thought he was, and I give him credit for it. The college game really messes me up. I don't know if anybody else has this issue, but it's something about, like, if you had a receiver who – and, and no, don't put them next to each other because that makes it obvious, but, like, it's something about the receiver who wears a low number that I just – it just makes me think they're smaller. Uh, <laughs> like, like, I don't know. It's something about the jersey. Like, if I, if I see an 80 on you, like, I just picture you bigger than a guy who wears number one. Um, very, so, very, Darius Slayton at Auburn huh? – Right, and so Darius Slayton out of Auburn is a guy who I uh, who I'm surprised at how big he is. Um, but I did get a chance to watch a, a couple games uh, for Pro Football Focus last year. I worked a couple Auburn games, um, and Slayton was a guy. Look, he, he plays in Auburn, so he has he has a limited amount of targets per game. Uh, the amount of routes like in his route tree that we see on a, on a weekly basis, and you know on Saturdays in the fall, 
um, yep. has not been that impressive just because it's Auburn's offense. They just don't ask him to do a lot. Yep. With that said, I love the way he created separation. I thought – I think he is a good route runner. For, and, again, I say that with a grain of salt because it's hard to it's hard to project what he can do outside of the routes I've seen him run. But in the limited and simple routes I've seen him run, he runs them really well and effectively. Um, so Slayton was a guy I was interested in watching. Uh, so he's bigger than I thought, but then he only put up 11 bench presses. So that leads me, you know, to – the idea that, you know, he isn't that strong, um, although he is a good run blocker and he does play physical. So uh, yeah. I thought that yeah. was a little underwhelming. With all that said, he ran a four four forty. So for right. him, I think right. that's going to really help him. I'm not the biggest speed guy in the world. I think the biggest thing, if you watch him, um, that he needs to do is he just – he's not a great contested receiver. He's almost Brandon Cooks-ish in the way of, like, um, he tries to let the ball come to him when he catches it. He doesn't go and pluck the ball. Uh, and if you go back to two of the biggest plays in the Super Bowl that didn't happen for the Rams, you know, you could you could really attribute those to Brandon, you know, Brandon Cooks waiting an extra tenth of a second for the ball to come to him as opposed to going up and getting the thing. So that's something yep. I'd like to see Slayton improve on. But as far as terms of his draft stock, running a four four forty um and just, you know, the, the the tape on him, I think I think overall that this could be a guy we see go mid to late second round when I would have had him more of a third, fourth round guy. I think he might have moved up into um, early day two territory. So good day from him. Um, I'll touch quickly on quarterbacks, and then I just got one tight end to highlight. Um, <laughs> I think we all have one tight end to highlight, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so quarterbacks, useless. I, I think quarterbacks at the combine are useless, and this is why. One uh-huh. thing I did want to mention – just as a, as a shot at him, because I just, I think, I mean, ESPN reminds me of like cable companies who just don't see the end coming, you know, or, 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 you know, the, the old phone companies, it's like, you know, the outdated dinosaur of a conglomerate who just doesn't see the trends changing and stuff. And like the Stephen A stuff, you know, I get that he has a lot to do and, and, he, and he's really spread thin and stuff, but I just don't find his, his analysis that, that intelligent and, and that, that well thought out and, right. and, the, and the Haskins, the Haskins stuff. Um, yeah. from last week. I don't know if you, I, I, for whatever reason, I don't feel like his reply got as noted as much as the video that made its rounds. Uh, but yeah. he did reply to somebody about the Haskins thing. He's like, I do know that he can throw yeah. the ball, but, but yeah. to me, he's more of a runner. Well, Stephen A, and I know he stumbled a little bit on the run if you watch it, but yeah. he ran a plus 540. So nice call on that one, you dumbass. Um, right. But the biggest reason <laughs> that I think it's useless for quarterbacks. There are two guys in particular who I thought did really well at the combine. Um, and that was Trace McSorley ran a 4.57. He's a mobile guy, uh, uh, 115 inch broad jump. The other guy who showed up in a lot of the athletic categories is Nick, Nick yep. Fitzgerald for our yep. listeners who know, uh, I do cover Mississippi state, uh, for SB nation. Um, and what I can tell you from watching him closely last year is this guy sucks at football. He is Horrible, and it's funny because wow. I'm a Mississippi State fan, including some of the people I write with. Hopefully, uh, they don't like me enough to listen to this. They probably don't. Uh, but they did a lot of they did a lot of blaming uh, Joe Moorhead last year, saying that his offense was setting them back, setting them back. Even though they had the same record as the year before with the the coach who I can't remember his name, but he went down to Florida. But either way, uh, you watch it, and like this is a guy who made Trace picks look good in Moorhead two years ago with Saquon Barkley and all that. He gets there. Nick Fitzgerald couldn't hit me on a five yard in cut. He sucked yeah. <laughs> so bad, and he had a good combine. And Trace McSorley, he's an interesting guy because I don't want to make this comp because it's not fair to the guy I'm going to make it to. Uh, it was really yep. not fair to either guy. But he does have some of the intangibles of a Russell Wilson. He's undersized. He's, he's gutty and he's competitive. He does tend to make winning plays. But, 
you know, the report, and he's super athletic, and the report on him right now is he can't throw the ball. I don't think he can right. ever develop into the way Russ has in the NFL with throwing because no one saw Russell Wilson be able to throw the ball like that, you know, no. coming out of college. No. I just don't think, I don't think we see it that, you know, happen twice in a span of you know, seven years here where somebody like that just comes out of nowhere and can develop right. that part of their game. All this is a long way to say the two of the most, if you go through each category, McSorley and uh, Fitzgerald, you're going to see a bunch on there, which proves why it is such a useless day for quarterbacks, in my opinion. Quarterbacks, you got to watch game film. You got to see how they command the offense, read defenses. You got to see how they throw the ball. I mean, a pro day is more important for a quarterback. The combine tells me nothing because, you know, uh, Haskins didn't have an overall impressive day, and I'm taking him over McSorley and Fitzgerald every day. But if you just go, oh, no doubt. Uh, if you just go based on the numbers, you know, based on how they performed at the combine, the other two look like they had better days. So, um, right. kind of a useless thing. Now, as far as tight end, you know, I hate to say I told you so. Noah Fant <laughs> was just a massive day. Oh, my God. A 4 5 40, 20 yep. bench presses, 39, yep. uh, 39.5 vertical, the best in the draft, and 120 right. or, uh, the day so far, 127 broad jump. I believe that was also best. Longest, I mean, just longest broad jump. Yep. Longest, yeah, and I think he had the best 40. I think the only category he, he did. didn't lead at was the bench press because he's more of an athletic guy. Actually, uh, people around around uh, the Patriots are, are, are talking Noah Fant a lot because uh, Hoskins, the other guys, for whatever reason, and maybe this will change after today, I hope it doesn't, was projected as being the guy who goes first between the two um, right. in the draft. And, and so, obviously, the Patriots, everyone knows Gronkowski's uh, status and – all that and, and, you know, how his future's up in the air. And even if he's back, he didn't look as good. Patriots just released Dwayne Allen today. So it, right. all signs indicate that they are going to try to go out and fill that, that tight end position. Um, an interesting cop and a comp for him, and hopefully uh, not on the murdering aspect, was Aaron Uh-oh. Hernandez is a name I've heard around here a lot. Um, <laughs> right. Which for Patriot fans would be uh, pretty fantastic because um, regardless of all the other sad parts of that story, jokes aside, the yep. – the, the opportunity unfulfilled by Aaron Hernandez uh, in New England is oh, from a sports and to take out all the humanity aspects of it from a sports yeah. perspective um, is just sad. And Shocking. this is a guy who does project like that. And I think that the bench press is, even though it was the only category he didn't lead, I mean, 20 bench presses for him, I thought yeah. was pretty surprising. He's supposed he's to be more of like a hybrid, so, yeah, he's right? He's, he's supposed to be more of a, a, a receiving athletic guy he's not supposed to have that kind of strength so i thought that that was probably the best thing he did today because it gives yeah. him uh, the appearance of a more well-rounded guy that i think a lot of yep. people were giving him credit for so anyways i don't think he's going to be there at the end of the first round anymore i think he just went from like a, a late day one early day two prospect that he might go in the teens now uh, i think i think he moved up the boards drastically today yep. Big time. Totally agree. Noah Fant is a beast, absolute beast. And you're right. He is top of the category for all tight ends in terms of the every category, 40-yard dash, vertical, broad jump, three-cone drill, 60-yard um, uh, shuttle. I mean, the only thing he didn't do well, didn't do perfectly was, as you said, the bench press. He was four reps off the top, and he did the third fastest 20-yard shuttle. But, but who cares? Just who cares? Now, what I, what I think is interesting, and you mentioned him, TJ Hawk, uh, Hawkinson, the other tight end from Iowa who was, at, who was projected to go above Noah Fant, I think it actually drops him down the draft a little bit. He can be a real value now in a later round. Because you know, he is still, in my opinion, uh, of the two, 
a one of the more he is a solid receiving tight end and a very very good blocker. He can do both of those things really really well. And I know that Noah Fant is an athletic freak, but you know Hawkinson has shown on tape that he could be he can run routes with the best of them. So I think he could be a real value now because of no and and kudos to Noah Fant. He's going to get paid. But I think that T.J. Hawkinson can actually benefit from this uh, getting drafted, or a team can benefit from this drafting T.J. Hawkinson later in the draft now based on Noah Fant's performance, which is, I think is interesting. And I will do, go ahead and, and, and harken back to one thing you said earlier because um, you were mentioning the entire Stephen A. thing um, with regard to Dwayne Haskins. How, you know, he said he's more of a runner. Now think about this. He completed 70% of his passes in 2018. <laughs> he had 50 touchdowns and only eight interceptions. And you want to know how many yards he ran for that year? He ran for 180 yards, 108 total yards. He threw for 4,831. <laughs> Stephen A., just look at the box score. Just look at the stats. You don't even have to watch any tape to realize that you're wrong. But, hey, you know, whatever. I, <laughs> I've had it well, with him. I don't listen to him anyway. Um, Ran a plus five, said, too. So we gotta, I, yeah. I, it'll be interesting to look at his mentions today because I'm sure I'm not the only one who saw that number and started laughing. So Yeah, um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no doubt. But no, So I'll say this, though, because I, I did watch the quarterback drills, the throwing drills. And, you know, and, and traditionally the, the, the kind of uh, general thought process, at least from what I understand that scouts like to look at, they like to look at those speed outs because it demonstrates the ability to anticipate and put a ball on the spot before the wide receiver goes out of bounds. And of course they like to look at go routes. And I know you hate this term taking the top off the defense, but you know, they, what they're really looking for is arm strength and rhythm and being able to anticipate where that wide receiver will be. Cause those wide receivers kind of rotate in, right? Those quarterbacks don't know who they're throwing to and they're, they don't get an opportunity to, to, to know that this guy runs really fast or really or, or likes to cut really fast or, you know, they don't know anything about them really. So they're really just throwing on site alone and just based on instinct. So I think there is something to be said by that. And, and Haskins did have a very, very good showing in the, uh, in the, in the throwing drills. He did a, a great job anticipating and particularly on those speed outs. He was the only quarterback who consistently placed that ball right at the boundary on the outside where nobody else could play on that ball except for the wide receiver and the wide receiver didn't have to turn around and look at him before the ball was out of his hands. It was actually heading towards him at the, at the boundary. Now I understand he is slow, but he is not a runner, Stephen A. So it <laughs> doesn't matter. He's a pocket passer. But anyway, so that I just wanted to throw that out there. I will also say one thing about Trace McSorley. And I, and I, I want to ask you this question, uh, Ryan, because I know you're obviously familiar with Julian Edelman, who was a quarterback in um, college and uh, of course came from a smaller school but he came out and became very, very successful. You know, he was the uh, Super Bowl MVP, so obviously very successful at the wide receiver position, um, not his first position, so to speak, from college. A lot of people are saying the same things about Trace McSorley, that he is a great quarterback, fine, but he has uh, some arm strength issues, some, some, also some issues regarding um, accuracy, and perhaps he should try and be a defensive back, which he also was a very highly touted defensive back coming out of high school and, um, and decided to take a, um, and decided to go where he went because he wanted to play quarterback. Uh, and he did, and that was great and all. And he did, he was, he was moderately successful at that, but everyone knows of him as being a great athlete. And a lot of people are saying that, you know, everyone knew that Julian Edelman was a great athlete, a great football player. And people want to draft him because of what he brings to the team in the locker room and just in terms of athleticism on the field, would you want to draft Trace McSorley and uh, give it a go as a defensive back, even though he decided not to work out as a defensive back? 
So I think it's important to give some context in the Julian Edelman story that I feel like gets overlooked, and there is no bigger Julian Edelman fan than me. Um, but with that said, it's it's not some easy transition. I'm not even saying that in a way uh, to hype up Julian Edelman, like, oh, he only right. he could do what he did. But people right. and people, I don't think remember that. I mean, he was drafted in 2009, and then he really didn't do anything in 09 and 10. Um, and then a, I think it was in 12. Yeah, well, that was Welker's last year, and he got a little more involved in 11 and 12, but not a ton. And then after the 12 offseason, I believe it was, the Patriots actually let Edelman go out there and seek other offers. He went mm-hmm. around, couldn't really get any money anywhere. He came back, and I think that, that was the contract he signed was like 40 years for $12 million. The Patriots were only paying $3 million per year. And he came back, and there was a really distinct moment where Edelman became Edelman. And if anyone remembers that 2013, I think it was a Sunday night game where the Broncos uh, came out and caused like three turnovers on the first three Patriots possessions. They were up 24, nothing at the half. And the Patriots came back and said, well, maybe it's only known around here is this, but it was the infamous uh, overtime game where Belichick won the toss, but chose to take the wind instead Mm -hmm. of taking, instead of taking the ball and the Patriots ended up winning that game. And that was really Julian Edelman's coming out party. And so that's a long way of saying, 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012, and really that was like November, I want to say. So, I mean, half of 2013, I mean, it's just not that easy to switch. It was a Uh four and a half year reclamation project to transfer him over to a receiver. And it really wasn't until the following season in 2014 that he put together a full season and really started to become the guy that everyone knows who he is now. So would I I entertain the idea and do I – love when guys think outside the box and, you know, try to get McSorley in and try to do something with him for sure. But I'm not spending a, I'm not spending real draft capital on that. The, the Patriots, the Patriots drafted Edelman in the seventh round. So sure. McSorley right, available right. in the seventh round and you think you can get him in and he's going to do positive <laughs> no, no, stuff no, for your locker room. And you think right. that he's going to be somebody that you can transform into another position, use his athleticism all for it. If you're spending anything else, I'd really like prefer for him to go undrafted. If I'm going to do that, you know, use a UFDA designation on him. Um, sure. But I'm not. I'm not spending real draft capital. I mean, the only thing to prove my point again, there was a clip that started going around lately. There's a Boston radio host who once nicknamed Edelman in, in 2011 Mr. August because he was tired of people calling in every single August touting Julian Edelman who never did anything on the field. Um, so it's just it's it's just it's a long journey. So it's just not that easy to you know you start to specialize like Sorley did, and right. you know he's not he's not in the room watching DB film. He's not working on his technique and stuff. So after True. several years to now go try to make that switch again, that's just not going to happen overnight. So seventh yeah. round or undrafted sure. Anything outside of that, I think it's a waste of, of draft capital. Just go get, just go get somebody who actually plays the position. Yeah. And unless of course you think that there's a possibility that he might be your backup quarterback and then it just doesn't work out. You have an ability to move him to defensive back. I mean, the, the interesting thing about it is that he clearly wants to play quarterback. That's it's very, very clear. Apparently, some people, some scouts had asked him if he would work out with defensive backs, come on Monday, and he said no. He declined. He wants to play quarterback, so you don't want to shoehorn him into a position that he doesn't want to play in. But if you, if you think that he can be a positive contributor at quarterback – I think in some ways it gives you a little bit of a safety net if you think that he's just a good football player and maybe you can shift him over to DB at some point and not uh, not waste that pick if it turns out he doesn't work out for you. I know I, I wouldn't do, go into the draft thinking that, but I, I do think it just adds a little bit to the Trace McSorley kind of, okay, well, maybe it's worth taking a risk with him at quarterback 
because if it doesn't work out, maybe there's something else we can do with him. I, no, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't, don't hate that. I don't hate that idea. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about two more wide receivers, just because I want to point them out uh, because of their performances. Paris Campbell, uh, obviously had the fastest 40-yard dash uh, at 4.31 official. He uh, really blazed there. He's a guy I had my eye on. I actually highlighted him in my article. I really want to keep an eye on how he does, and he looked pretty good out there on uh, receiving. Well, it was the back end of, of passing drills, really, and uh, so that's not so bad. And Miles Boykin from Notre Dame actually had a, ran a 4.42 faster than people had predicted. Also looked relatively good on the receiving end of passing drills. Any thoughts on Paris Campbell or Miles Boykin? Any of those guys kind of perk up your your attention at all? Sorry, I was on mute. Um, yeah, yeah, no, no problem. I, uh, uh, I, I did see Boinkin. Uh, you know, me and you obviously have a, a sensitivity <laughs> right. to anytime we see that we see the ND next to the name. Um, so I, yep. I saw I saw Boinkin and I was I was surprised. I mean, it's just it's just you know, the, over the last couple of years, it, it's really. Uh, and I know Kwame actually had a decent year last year, but you know, Will Fuller is a hit or miss in, in Golden Tate. You know, I just, it's just not really a wide receiver factory. So I don't, I don't tend to, I, I, I root for Orem, but I don't, I don't expect good things or great things out of, out of Notre Dame uh, wide receivers uh, mm-hmm. when I, when I see them. But um, as far as Campbell, I mean, again, I, I try to put my bias aside during today's show and we're doing right. this kind of talk. Cause I oh. think he obviously <laughs> did help his, I think he did help his, his draft stock because I think yep. that there are teams because, you know, right or wrong and wrong, uh, teams still invest in quarterbacks with big arms. So people right. are still going to invest in the receiver can take the top off the defense. I personally don't put a lot of stock in it. So right. um, well, it right. help himself for sure. Uh, it's good performance. But, I mean, for me, it doesn't move the needle for myself for, in, my, in my evaluations. Yeah, and I, I agree with that in a, in a number of ways because Paris Campbell was known as being a pass guy. I mean, he was a kick returner. He was um, um, all Big Ten as a kick returner in his first year and moved to wide receivers. So he basically was one of those guys who we knew had speed. That wasn't the problem. Um, it was more uh, his route running and some issues with drops and the fact that he is he traditionally played in the slot. So, you, you know, there wasn't a lot. You know, if you want a fast guy, generally you don't play him in the slot. I mean, you can obviously, but, you know, generally you're thinking about playing him on the outside and who knows if he'd be able to adapt to that position or not. So I think that it's, it's good to know that he's still fast. I mean, that's important, but I, I, I agree with you. I don't think he really improved his draft capital at all with that performance. He's going to show a little bit more than that. Okay. Well, we've come to the end of the show. I can't believe that. Uh, I mean, there was so much to talk about, but we managed to cover basically two days worth of highlights in about 35 minutes. That's how good we are. So let's go ahead and uh, blow the air horn on the entire show here. And uh, why don't you give us your social media so people can keep up with your thoughts on the NFL Combine. Yeah, you can follow me at Ryan Whitfield NE. I'm going to spend the next month here trying to – watch as much game film as possible to give a little bit more in-depth uh, on some of these guys. So um, going into my favorite time of the, the season here. Uh, yeah. And yeah, I'm sure we're going to continue to talk. I mean, there's not really anything else to talk about until free agency. So we'll continue to do our fair share of uh, draft previews on here. Well, I'm sure that you're going to have your one eye on the Bruins getting into the NHL playoffs as well as we get into April. Everybody, I'm sure that's going to be pretty high. Hockey, baby. I'll be, I'll be, uh, <laughs> I'll be watching. We got a, got a nice matchup at seven tonight. Looking forward to it. 
Yeah, yeah, and actually, and I was actually at the uh, the Rangers Tampa Bay game, and boy, those guys. I mean, I, I don't think I've seen the Lightning in person before, but they are just so athletic and so stacked. I just don't, I don't understand how they got that way. I mean, for a place like Tampa Bay, but I guess I haven't been paying attention to what they've been doing. But wow, they are just they are they are a ridiculously stacked team right now, and they just look yeah, so Iserman. Iserman did a nice job building that. It was, uh, it was actually one of my uh, <laughs> one of my friends tweeted this out, uh, or pointed out this tweet as a quick aside. Uh, mm. So if, if if you follow it, there's a lot of X Rangers on the Lightning right now. Yeah, um, there are <laughs> McDonough, Callahan, and uh, one of them scored on him in the game. So, yep. I forget who I forget who I forget who the tweet was about, but uh, it was somebody that I think there was. It was either somebody they acquired in trade or or somebody that they're looking like they're going to draft this year. Anyway, somebody tweeted out a joke saying, wow, the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to really enjoy him in a couple of years because everyone in the Rangers <laughs> ends up playing for the Lightning, and, and Eisenman's done a good job of acquiring talent down there and guys like Callahan on the fourth line and uh, and uh, McDonough on that first defensive pairing. Yeah, they're, I'm sure yep. seeing them up close and personal is, is pretty is pretty jaw-dropping. Yeah, I've never seen uh, Daniel Girardi look so good until he actually was in Tampa Bay. <laughs> he wasn't, so it was kind of interesting that there was a lot of stuff going on down. And I was, I was, I'm not a Rangers fan by any stretch of the imagination, but I was, I'm trying to keep tabs on them just because I'm here. And I, when I saw Tampa Bay came in, I, I was, I mean, it was, a, it was a overtime game, which I thought was, you know, good for the Rangers. But boy, the, the, the Lightning is the team to beat, I think. Um, unfortunately, although I was impressed when I saw the Bruins two months ago up there. But anyway, so that we kind of got off target there. But, yeah, hey, this is a great, great time of year, as you said. Uh, so much sports out there. We got the NHL coming up to a head. We have the NBA coming into a head. Um, we have this offseason stuff with the combine and the draft for co- football. You have the AAF championships in April. That's going to be, you know, they got that going on. There's lots of stuff. And then I got March Madness just around the corner. But, hey, let's keep our eye on the ball. We'll be back again next week. We'll talk about the uh, defensive side of the NFL Combine and any other standouts that we see from the offensive side, see how that hits their draft stock and a lot more. My name is Hakun Wong. Again, you can follow me at FB Garbage Time. Thank you all for wasting time with us on a Saturday. And uh, until next time, enjoy the rest of the NFL Combine and your NFL week. (laughs) 